Do you ever fight about who does what in marriage or how decisions are made? You know, who has the most say or power or who can make the final call on some decisions? Most of the time, those disagreements come down to the model of marriage we hold to. And when that's different than the model our spouse is operating out of, conflict is inevitable. Welcome to the Only You Forever podcast. If you want to build a thriving, passionate marriage, we've got the research, the truth, and the answers you've been looking for. And now, here are your hosts, Caleb and Verlinda Simone Gendel. Hey, everybody. This is episode number 95. And we are going to be talking about the three power structures in marriage and how they affect marriage satisfaction. So, eh, you, me. Go for it. I thought we could just have a power struggle right off the start about who talks next. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, we know who will win, so. Oh, I see. <laughs> so last week we had this very fascinating discussion on what every marriage is doing wrong. So if you missed episode 94, make sure you grab that one as well. But for today, this is an interesting subject because I think it's as fundamental to marriage as faith is to our worldview. Oh, but the thing is, like, we hardly ever actually sit down as couples to talk to our spouse about our model of marriage when we're dating or engaged or newly married. Like, who has that discussion? Mm-hmm. We didn't. Yeah, we should do that. <laughs> <laughs> let's do it today. Okay. Maybe not on the podcast. All right. So let's talk about the three models of marriage first, and then how they impact marital satisfaction and how power plays into all of this, and then what we do and what we recommend. Sure. I think so we get in. to have that discussion. Pretty much. Oh, that's scary. I think we're in for some surprises in this episode. Okay. Okay, so power structures in marriage. Christian authors have come to various interpretations of the Bible's teachings about how men and women should relate to one another in marriage. Yes. You see different things there. And most of those kind of center around the issue of gender roles and what the Bible means when it speaks of headship and submission. So this is uh, going to be more of a Bible-oriented episode. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, these three structures run through all marriages and they really kind of boil down, the essential element is it's about power, Ooh, okay. in, my, in my opinion. Okay. And so various models have been created to kind of explain how husbands and wives should function together in the areas of decision-making and work, like employment kind of work, and leadership. And usually that's where these issues kind of cluster together is around making decisions and this question of should a wife have a full-time job, which to some people will seem like a bizarre question. To other people, it's a very, very important yep. question. Yeah. And also to leadership. Which, you know, when we're distressed as a couple, is usually not about leadership, but about the much less noble, but more pragmatic issue of power. Mm. So let's talk about these three models of marriage. And some of them are kind of a little bit more generational. Like you notice the first one will be more, we probably see that more in our parents' generation. And that's, okay, yeah. that's authoritarianism. That's the first model. And in this model, the husband holds unlimited authority and leadership. And wives are expected to respond with unqualified submission. So am I allowed to like speak up here or are we just going through the facts? Well, we'll critique them at the end. Okay. I'm good at critiquing. You may have some opinions. <laughs> Verlinda may have some opinions on this issue. Okay, keep going. Okay. And then as leaders and heads of the house, the husband has an unlimited say in all decisions and wives are not permitted to question the husband's leadership in any situation. That's how this rolls. I'm just biting my tongue. Yeah. I think there's blood coming out of your mouth. <laughs> Don't have to take it that seriously. So what I see happening in this marriage, though, is that when I look at these marriages and how they actually play out for Linda, yeah. is that the wife gains power and influence in other ways by mm. things like withholding sex, 
using the scriptures to manipulate, guilting her husband. Okay. In a dysfunctional context. Now, one thing that we are going to know here and again at the end is that there are authoritarian marriages where both spouses buy into the model Mm -hmm. and they're both very happy. Yes. You know, when I was in school, this came up in one of our sessions and the professor was sort of very liberal, kind of left wing. And she said, you know what? It's not for me, but if they're both happy, who am I to say that that model is wrong or it's bad? That's so true. Right? Yeah. So let's just... We're not causing a problem here if there's not a problem. No. And it's easy to get judgmental on this kind of marriage in our generation, but if it's working for those two people and she's chosen the model as much as he has, yeah, like who are we to take it away from them? Yeah. Okay. So we're... Okay. You know, we have our opinions, but we also kind of, <laughs> can we have our opinions and be non-judgmental at the same time? We're trying, okay? Okay. The second view is complementarianism, which is what we favor. And this upholds the equality of men and women. And simultaneously, though, it recognizes that there are different roles, different strengths and weaknesses each gender brings to the marriage. And we also hold this idea that men hold headship in the marriage while upholding their call to love their wives sacrificially. Yeah. So that that headship does not look authoritarian or domineering. Mm, yep. Women act as, and I'm, yeah, I'm going to say this word and then I'm going to qualify it. Okay. Women act as helpers while upholding their call to submit to their husbands. So helpers is the word from the author I'm citing here. Okay. Okay. And, and I'm going to unpack this more at the end when we get into our opinions, but I'm not sure I endorse that word, but I do endorse the complementarian model. And we'll get into that later more. So just kind of hold that thought. And in the complementarian model, decisions are made jointly, except in rare cases where there's an impasse, and then the final decision-making is given to the husband. Mm-hmm. Okay? okay? So that's that model. And then there's egalitarianism. And in this model, men and women not only live as equals, but any hierarchy or headship in the model is erased in the marriage. There is no hierarchy. There's no headship. No one person has more authority than the other. Okay. Distinctions in gender differences are downplayed or else they're just removed completely in favor of recognizing our oneness in Christ and our joint calling to do his work. And all decisions are made together. Okay. So I think you see a lot of this even in non-Christian homes. Yeah. They're not recognizing their oneness in Christ. No, but. But it's like completely equal. Yeah. And when you boil it down to the essences of power and control, and decision making, mm-hmm. and you take out the spiritual references. These are universal kind of yeah buckets okay. that we can generally lump most couples into, okay. one way or the other. And if you listen carefully, like the roles are an issue in them. Like who does what in terms of roles? Yeah, and also the degree to which we acknowledge or bypass gender issues. Like are some things typically more female, okay. and are some things typically more male? And then decision making and power. So these are kind of the universal elements, right? Now, if you're listening to this today and you're thinking, okay, this is interesting. There's these three models out there and you're trying to figure out what you are and understand your own situation better. We have a worksheet that you can download. And this one is a full three pages. It focuses in on particularly this decision-making part and starts by asking you to assess your own marriage. And so you and your spouse complete this part separately. And then we give you a way to discuss what you conclude with your spouse so that you can both step back and really open up to each other about how you view the distribution of power and what your expectations about roles are and what role gender plays in each of your minds. So this is going to kind of... sounds fantastic. Yeah, put all this stuff out on the table. 
And you can get this by opening your browser to oif.link slash 95 or by texting the word podcast to 9292 spouse. If you have to pay for text messages, there'll be a few back and forth as we get you set up to get this link emailed to you. So message rates would apply, but I think most folks these days do have bundles on their texting and that's an American number, so it shouldn't be a problem. So make sure you grab that worksheet because it is an excellent compliment to this. Uh, it's a complimentarian worksheet. Mm-hmm. It gets along with this podcast episode. What? Well, I just think it's really funny how, you know, we were taking out and we weren't repeating ourselves and whatever, but you just had to add some extra in there to make it longer again. <laughs> well, they just been harassing me to get my, uh, my uh, download call to action shorter. Yeah, just more... Just more efficient. Okay. Uh, being a complimentary marriage, I will accept your <laughs> feedback and embrace it. And secretly do nothing about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So as you can see, when you're thinking about this, so the view on what you hold as to how marriage should be done, whether you view that biblically or whether you are secular in your outlook on that, it's going to make a big, big, big difference in how you make daily decisions and how you interact with your spouse on a regular basis. And, and mm-hmm. here's what we want to get to. Which one works best? Mm. Or maybe, you know, which one is right? Yeah. Is sometimes how we phrase that. So let's look at beliefs versus practice, because this is really interesting. So there was this study in 2004 that used data from the 1996 Religious Identity and Influence Survey to look at the relationship between religious identity, so how people identify themselves, gender ideology, like the ideal roles they thought gender should play, mm-hmm. and marriage decision-making. Okay. okay. So how these three things all kind of combine together. The results show that conservative Protestants profess a traditional gender role ideology where the husband is the head of the family and the leader in making decisions, but the actual decision-making strategies they practice are similar to other religious groups who profess more liberal ideologies. Hmm. Interesting. So they talk the conservative, but they walk, the more liberal. Yeah. Theologically liberal Protestants profess a more egalitarian ideology. Ideology? Ideology? No idea. Is that no E-Day or no I-Day? <laughs> uh, in terms of decision-making, but the actual decision-making strategies these the- theologically liberal Protestants practice are not significantly more egalitarian than conservative Protestants. Hmm. So they talk a different talk, but walk the same walk. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I'm getting confused, but I'm pretty sure that's how it goes. (laughs) So finally, though, when it comes to male headship, which is the idea that husbands are primarily responsible for the marriage and family, or that's how I see that idea, I should say. Some people see male headship as I'm the boss. I see it as responsibility. Yeah. But anyways, when it comes to male headship, the number one priority for most conservative Protestant families in terms of actual practice was found to be the husband taking spiritual leadership of the family. Oh. And this was cited more often as important in male headship than breadwinning status or decision-making authority. So this is what wives wanted? This is what, uh, this is couples. Couples, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And this echoes the what we see in our, in our surveys in when survey, we do them yeah. too. There's a lot of... Uh, there's husbands wanting to be this and wives asking how they can get their husbands to be this. Yeah. This sort of spiritual leadership role. Yeah. And, and really to come, come into the fullness of that. So that's hmm. something we should work on. Yep. Helping people with. So what does this suggest? And the first conclusion is that in many families, ideology and practice often don't line up. 
Yeah. And secondly, when it comes to the actual practice of decision-making and submission and male headship, many religious families, both conservative and liberal Protestants alike, they seem to meet somewhere in the middle in terms of what practically works for them. And so I think the point for you to take home as a listener is when you discuss this with your spouse, be honest with yourself about what you do practically versus what you claim to believe. Mm -hmm. So you could do that whole worksheet and fill it with your beliefs. Right. But let's look at what you actually do. So that, huh. I think that's a good thing to note. Just that they might be different. They might be different, yeah. Yeah. So question here. Yes. Which structure or marriage type or whatever you want to call it causes the most power struggles? Okay. That's the million dollar question. Mm-hmm. That's why I asked it. it. It's a little bit of a challenging one to answer, but let's work on it. So there was a 2010 study that looked at the relationship between gender ideology, which is this idea of you know, how we think roles should play out. And work to family conflict, mm-hmm. which is where the should the wife work outside the home or not part yeah. of this whole traditional complementary and egalitarian thing comes in and satisfaction. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so when they were looking at gender ideology, they had folks rank statements like, and I'm just going to mention these so we know what kind of questions they're asking people get a flavor for this. Okay. Uh, here's a statement that folks would have to agree or disagree with as they did this survey. Okay. One, when the wife works outside the home, the husband should share in household tasks such as washing dishes and doing the laundry. Two, a woman should not expect to have the same freedom of action as a man. Three, don't bite anything that's going to hurt. <laughs> the leadership of a community should be largely in the hands of men. Four, in general, the father should have greater authority than the mother in rearing children. So that this is how they're <clears throat> figuring out their gender ideology, and they're allowing people to freely choose their answers without Verlinda standing behind them with a great big stick. <laughs> Caleb, do you know how extreme this goes? Like, I knew a guy what? who didn't believe even that women should have any pain control during childbirth. Oh, my goodness. Because the woman, you know, that's their role, is to suffer in childbirth. Like, this, we kind of laugh about some of these things. Right. But this is real in people's lives. Right. Okay. Well, I, yeah. No, I'm glad you brought that out. Because it does get severe. Yeah. And that's why we're not fans of the authoritarian model. No. And Verlinda, she's building up a good head of steam so that by the time we get there, <laughs> you'll know exactly where we stand on that. So on the whole work to family conflict thing, okay? So that was gender ideology. And the whole... <laughs> I feel disrespected right now. I didn't... Nobody heard me say anything. <laughs> no, but I did. <laughs> on the whole work to family conflict, participants also answered questions how their job affected their family life. Mm-hmm. in areas of free time, ability to complete chores, and how much they got done around the house. And they also rated how much their job kept them from spending time with their spouse and whether or not they felt that the relationship suffered because of work. Okay? okay. So here's what they found. Men's marital satisfaction was highly affected by whether or not their gender ideology matched their spouse's gender ideology. Traditional men married to traditional women had significantly higher marital satisfaction. Traditional meaning authoritarianism? Yep. Okay. And similarly, egalitarian men had above average levels of marital satisfaction when they were married to egalitarian women. And other studies affirm this finding. So you have to look at both spouses' gender ideologies, not just one spouse's. And if they agree, that couple is generally above average on marital satisfaction regardless of the model of marriage that they adhere to. So extreme situations aside of the no painkiller people, just this underlines an earlier point that if both partners are agreed, they're probably good to go. Yeah. 
Okay. But results for the women were different from the, than for the men. Okay. And mm-hmm. surprisingly, they were more complicated. <laughs> okay. I won't elaborate, but I will. Uh, here's the results for women. Gender ideology did not protect predict marital satisfaction for women on its own. It only predicted marital satisfaction for women in terms of how it interacted with their work to family conflict. So dear, I don't even know what you just said. Okay. If you think about how having a second income, yeah. IE the wife working full time. If you think about how that impacts marriages, you would understand in our culture that there's outside pressures and expectations. And this plays into both egalitarian and traditional marriages. Mm -hmm. So that marital satisfaction is more about the woman, the wife's work family conflict, like whether those, whether she was always in the tension between those two or whether she'd achieved balance there. Oh, so even if her and her husband were agreed on it, Mm -hmm. if she was in that tension, her marital satisfaction would be lower. Yes. Okay. I think I got it. Egalitarian wives. Here's another conclusion. Egalitarian wives would typically ask their husbands to do more housework. And this often resulted in conflict. So just being egalitarian didn't solve the problem. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, traditional wives are more accepting of discrepancies in contributions to housework, so may do more than their fair share and consequently have less conflict. See what's going on there? Yeah, that's interesting. Better for the marriage, but I'm thinking probably harder on the wife, which is a pretty interesting dynamic because she's working all day and then she's working at home, but because they both believe that they have a happier marriage than an egalitarian couple, which should be more open to that kind of idea. If, oh, if the egalitarian wife yeah. experiences a lot of work-family conflict. Okay, so it just kind of okay. separates the what you believe off from what you're going to practice and the actual reality of, okay, how well am I balancing work and family okay. as a wife? Mm-hmm. But it also ends up coming back to husbands because at the end of the day, it comes down to the actual behaviors of their husbands more than their ideologies. So does hubby step right. in and help with this? Yeah. And is he carrying you through it? So, and this kind of makes sense because it's more about what you do for each other than what you believe at the end of the day. This is carried out in shoe leather. So you as a husband may hold to an egalitarian view of marriage, but if you are sincerely committed to that, then you have an equal obligation to all aspects of housekeeping and child rearing in terms of your actual physical contribution. Mm -hmm. And if your wife hits a patch of work where she's doing a lot of overtime, you're going to have a full-time job and do most of the housework. Like hmm. that's how you have to play yes. this out. Yeah. Meanwhile, your buddy at church, his wife takes care of the housework during the day. They can do all sorts of fun stuff together in the evening. Maybe they're more traditional and she doesn't work. And how this is going to play out in your two lives as you're comparing yourself to your neighbor across the street is there's tension there. You're going to be doing more work than him. And yeah. the deal is that you can't have egalitarian values and expect traditional outcomes. Mm. So that's mm-hmm. just where I'm kind of calling mm-hmm. men on the mat here to think about what you believe in, what you practice, and how that might be injecting tension into your marriage. Mm, right. Now let's think about traditional marriages for a moment. I think my bigger concern there is that if you're both earning an income and your wife is doing the lion's share of the housework and the child rearing, even if there's less conflict, you are severely taxing one very key member of your household. Yeah. Yeah. And so if the income is necessary and your wife is willing, I suggest that you as the husband get in there and get things looking a little more egalitarian in terms of workload. I think that if your wife is willing is a good point. Yeah. Because, hmm. you know, when your husband actually does something and all you can complain about was, you know, he didn't collapse the boxes before he put them yeah. in the recycling bin, or yeah. then yeah. why would he want to do it again? Yeah. Kind of goes back to our episode on gatekeeping. Yeah. Interesting. Um, I've just lost the number for that, but. We'll link to that in the show notes, maybe. Right. 
If Rowena remembers. (laughs) (laughs) That was the right of commitment. All right. So the answer to the question, which model of marriage has the highest marital satisfaction is the matched model, where you both hold the same view and you both act accordingly. That's the deal. Now let's talk about what you and I do. Okay. And then we'll look at it at complementary marriage and uh, have, <laughs> have some time for opinions. Okay, okay. So just remember at the very end, you're going to get to say what you don't like about the traditional model. Really? Yeah. So just hold on to that if you can. Oh, I can. I know you're bursting nearly. I don't even remember now what we talked about. Okay. So we have a fairly, and I'm, I'm being the man, I'm going to talk this out here. <laughs> and I'll be the submissive wife and just sit quietly. Yeah. That'll last for three seconds. <laughs> So I'm going to invite you just to jump in and okay. correct me. Okay. Because I did write this part up. Okay. So I think we have a fairly complementarian view in practice. And I agree. You have had periods where you've had employment, but now you work in the home and we both work on OYF and I also have a corporate job as well. Yep. Generally, breadwinning is my responsibility yep. and housekeeping yours. Yep. But if we need to, as we transition to OYF, we've been open to you getting a job possibly. And in day-to-day life, I don't do a lot of laundry but i am doing dishes most evenings yeah and i will help get the house cleaned up for guests and so on so i'm i'm very content with how it's balanced out Mm -hmm. we do clean the house for more than guests but okay just yeah you know but overall balance yeah i think it works pretty good with us for us all right i'm off the hook (laughs) so overall while the research doesn't advocate one model over another i do think a complementary marriage is the most theologically robust model Yep. And as such, we found it to be practically useful too. You know, we just don't get into power struggles in our marriage. No. But you know what? Like, like we have disagreements and conflict, but we don't have power struggles though, do we? I think it's because I'm so submissive. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anybody who's met you is just like totally rolling their eyes right now. But no, seriously though, like I don't know if I'd survive in a traditional marriage because I actually have opinions. Yes. And I'm sure those women in those marriages do too, but somehow they're just happy to not voice them or something maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Or yeah, I don't know. So I think it totally goes back to what works for you. Like if you totally believe in it and you both believe the same model, then that'll work. Yes. So I'm thankful that you you, agree with me. (laughs) (laughs) I see what you did there. Yeah. Okay. 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 So let's look at a picture of a complementary marriage. And I'm, I'm going to the book called Recovering Biblical Manhood and Womanhood. And in that book, a guy called George Knight III. Sounds like quite the Ooh, man. Oh, he does. He writes a... Don't be too impressed. <laughs> You're making me jealous. He writes a chapter called How Should Biblical Manhood and Womanhood Work Out in Practice? Okay. So he's going to give suggestions. We've got four of them here. And I'm going to kind of give his suggestion. And then I have some com- comments and I'm sure you do too. okay Okay, number one while men and women are equally god's image bearers at the same time they will hold different roles in the marriage so he believes that the man should take on the responsibility of being primary breadwinner and the woman should take on the responsibility of care for the children and the home okay and where i would caveat this is that we task wives in our culture with relationship development and responsibility and i would like to see husbands taking more responsibility in that area Mm-hmm. So I agree in the different roles, but I think that the idea that relationships and emotions are a female thing is more culturally informed than biblically informed. Mm-hmm. 
man and woman, I believe, are equally relational and emotional creatures. And we've just socialized men to be less responsive and women to be more responsive to those things. And I don't think that's helpful. And I don't think we should necessarily endorse that as being biblical. No, I don't think it's biblical. That's cultural. Yeah. Okay. We agree so far. (laughs) Number two, although wives should be primary caretakers of the home, this does not mean they should never work outside the home. And so how should it be decided if a woman should work outside of the home or not? He believes the following question should be asked. One, is it beneficial to the family? Two, does it aid her husband in his calling? Three, does it bring good to others? And it could be beneficial to the family just because it makes her sane. Yes. Yeah. Like it doesn't have to be financially beneficial or, I mean, you'd think that would come too, but. Like as a standard of living. Yeah. Yeah. And I I kind of, but I do want to add something to this point. I just get afraid that when we say wives should be primary caretakers, that we take that to mean that a wife's primary calling is caretaking of the home. In other words, we're saying Mm. that the destiny of all married women, their ultimate calling, their ultimate fulfillment is in keeping of the home. And, you know, having you care for our home is like so valuable to me. But if that's all, like if that's your ultimate destiny to me, that's just so small and narrow-minded and little tiny world-ish. Okay, I agree with you. Yeah. But what if some women out there feel this? Are we completely belittling their ultimate calling? I would like to challenge them. Okay. Because I think having that perfect wall arrangement is, you know, I'll definitely admire your home when I go in it and I'll respect you for what you've done there. Yeah. But I hope that your sense of mission is bigger than the house that you live in. And I I mean, when I say house, I mean the physical structure and keeping of it. Right. If your mission is your family, I think that's a very powerful mission. I have no way minimizing that. Okay. Okay. Is that fair? Yeah. And, and so for, you know, I love Verlinda over the last few years, how you've used your singing skills to inspire the youth who gather with our church or how you've played a vital essential role in getting only you forever off the ground. And in this process, you're my most trusted guide and confident and coach. Hmm. And I admire the teaching you do for our children to raise them as emotionally intelligent, vibrant daughters. And I just think that we have to be really, really careful when we say wives should be primary caretakers of the home. And I'm like, yeah, but, and the but is just that you are so much more than a maid. Maybe that answers your question from before. Mm-hmm. It doesn't say they should be primarily caretakers. Primary. Yeah, good point. Yeah, yeah. Maybe I'm being a little hard on this guy. But there's no reason I can't do dishes or vacuum either. Uh-huh. And I think that's why I reacted to the word helper in the initial definition. I need to be a helper in this marriage too, right? Right, right. Right. Yeah. So those are my thoughts there. Third point that he says, husbands should, do you have something else to say? Well, just you said this in a podcast a long time ago about how your wife wants to be Ella, not Cinderella. Yes. So she wants to be, feel like a She princess. wants to be the princess, not the maid. Yeah. Anyways, that's uh, sidebar. No, it's good. Okay. Third point, husbands should take leadership in decision-making, but respect, value, and desire the wife's opinions, beliefs, and wants. And I'm quoting here. The husband and wife should seek to come to a mutually satisfactory decision after discussion and through prayer and seeking the principles of God's word, and they should do so under the leadership and guidance of the husband who should initiate this process. Hmm. I'm glad that you desire my opinion. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think in our marriage, you actually tend to initiate the process more. That's a strength that you bring that I value. But I do notice that at key pivots in our life story, you give me all of your input and commitment. But when it's time for the penny to drop, you say it's your decision. 
I'll follow you wherever you go. I've seen you do that a few times. Yeah. Th- that's not necessarily a really easy thing to do. Yeah. But on the other hand, it's like freeing for me. Cause I know that ultimately you are responsible right. when you make that decision. And for me, it's not inflating. It doesn't incite any feelings of tyranny or dominance, like I'm the man or whatever. Yeah. It's actually really humbling. Yeah. I and it makes me value your input even more. Huh. So I think you got that I'll follow you piece from the story of Rachel in the Bible. Remember that? Uh, I'm not. I think, uh, uh, mind blank here. Who is her husband? Jacob. Jacob. And, and there's a point where she says to him, where you go, I'll follow. Okay, you choose. Yeah, Remember that? Yeah, that was quite yeah. a few years ago. That was a long time ago. Yeah. So that's how that part is kind of played out in our life. Now, the fourth point that this guy makes is in determining how to allocate other duties and responsibilities outside of breadwinning and caring for children in the home, feminine and masculine strengths and weaknesses should be taken into account. I agree and, with that too, I think. Yeah. And in this way, they're saying each partner recognizes their mutual dependence on each other by carrying out distinct roles within the household. And I chop wood, you sew. Yep. I don't stop you from grabbing the axe. You don't stop me from grabbing the sewing machine. (laughs) (laughs) I think I probably would. (laughs) I don't think that's happened either. No. Like we have a utility tractor. Yeah. And because that's not physical work, we share equally. We don't hold to, you know, men should do the driving mentality. No, I probably use it more than you do. Yeah. Or if we're on a road trip, if I'm feeling well, I'll do most of it because I enjoy it and you enjoy riding along. And when we switch drivers on a long trip, I enjoy the break too. Yeah. So there's a mutual interdependence there, but also a recognizing of equal capabilities or different capabilities, but complementing. Yeah. Like I physically can't do some of the stuff you have to do. Like I can't lift the lid off the septic tank. Yeah. You don't want to either. (laughs) The psychological component of that might be the strongest part. (laughs) All right. right, I'll just leave people with that nice mental image. (laughs) Okay, before we go, I want to talk about the other two models. Okay. We're at 32 minutes here in the raw version of this recording, so. Oh, man. Let's plunge through. Hurry up. Yes, dear. Uh, Traditional. Okay. And this is not, I hope this doesn't come across as criticism. It's just a few ideas about why I don't like them as much and maybe why Verlinda doesn't like them as much. (laughs) (laughs) Here's what I don't like about the traditional model. Number one, theologically, it fails to really accommodate the truth of Christ sacrificing himself in love for the church. So in Ephesians 5, this is the model of marriage that we Christians are called to, and specifically husbands should be loving like Christ did, which means Mm -hmm. he died and went to a cross so that we could benefit from that, we as the human race. And so I don't see as much sacrificing from husbands in traditional marriages. I'm sure it happens in some of them. I see a lot of wives doing what they're supposed to do, plus doing a good portion of what I think the husband is supposed to be doing. Because he's not. Mm-hmm. And I do think it's a setup, possibly, for the suppression of wives. I'm not saying this happens in every marriage, or even in most of them. There are, again, women in these marriage, marriages that flourish. Yeah. I'm just saying it's easier to get there from a traditional marriage model. Yeah. And also, I think it's a much smaller step towards an abusive marriage than the other models. Mm-hmm. Because it can be easily used to elevate men over women. Like there's a gender inequality. And again, most traditional marriages are not abusive. So please don't hear me saying evil about you. I'm just saying it's a shorter step. And that's uh, good to be very cautious about. Mm-hmm. But what? I see some things in traditional marriage where if that was you 
like talking to me in that way, yeah. I would consider it abuse. I would consider it emotional abuse. Okay. But they don't see it that way. Yeah. So is abuse in the eye of the beholder? I don't know. Well, abuse is about power and control. Yeah. And I just see some things go down and I think, man, I couldn't live with that. I could not live with that. Yeah. And yet these, some of these women are flourishing, as you say, in not this, all of them. The same example though that you talk about? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. That's why we have to be careful of being too judgmental. But at the same time, you know, it does kind of make the hair on the back of my neck stand up a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Here's what I don't like about the egalitarian model. My main beef with it is it fails to acknowledge gender differences. And I've already pointed out in this episode that some of those differences are just socialized. But yeah. I do believe that there are intrinsic gen- differences in our genders too. And that women crave love and men crave respect. Mm-hmm. Do I still need love? Do you still need respect? Yes. Absolutely. But we both, there's just a difference in how we prioritize them. Mm-hmm. And while the cooperative aspect of the egalitarian model is attractive, I think something is lost when we don't acknowledge the biblical concept of headship because it is there. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily, or not even as an authority paradigm, but as a responsibility paradigm. And to me, egalitarian seems to be, and you'll pardon me for using a judgmental word here, but it seems to be a little more spineless. And I I think it fosters the rearing of children that have less concept of authority and the need for respect, which I don't think is good for them. And males and females, they're not equivalent. We are created equal, but not equivalent. And if we try to erase this, it confuses sort of the the playing out of marriage and family. Hmm. And that, that gets into like kind of a bigger sociological discussion, but those are my opinions. Take them for what they're worth. If you disagree, I'd love to hear from you. If you'd agree, I'd love to hear from you too. You can reach out to us through our website or on Facebook. Just search for only you forever uh, on the internet. You'll track us down. Did you have anything else you wanted to say, babe? No, I was just Did trying. You, think you got it in there as you went through. Or? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I could take up another hour, I'm sure, but yeah. I'll just stop while we're So ahead. if you want another hour from Verlaine, write in, <laughs> let us know, <laughs> no, and we'll make a special no, episode. No, do not. <laughs> Only Can you forever. you imagine? The ranting edition. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Don't forget the worksheet. It's something you can do together to help you both get on the same page, reduce conflict, come to a deeper understanding of yourselves and each other. You know what happens in marriage is that one of us gets raised in a, this is possible, in an authoritarian home, and another yeah. one's complementarian, and we yeah. come into marriage and we never talked about, and it's just our models conflicting yes. more than us. Yes. So that's why you should get this worksheet. Okay. If you want it, send a text with the word podcast to 9292 spouse. You don't need to do that for Lynn. I'll just send you an email copy. <laughs> or go to the blog post for this episode at oyf.link slash 95. Scroll down the page, look for the shaded box with the orange button. Did I take too long saying that? That was okay. Oh, good. Let's keep moving. <laughs> All right. <laughs> So if you want to get involved in this awesome mission to help save marriages through our podcast, we now have a way for you to do so. We want to reach 100,000 marriages a week, and we figure we're hitting about 3,000 right now. So we get four. some, or 4,000 downloads, but remember. Oh, but it might not be all all, different yeah. people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. listen and yada, yada. So we can't do that without your help. That's you as in our listener. And for even $5 a month, you can help us take steps toward making that a reality please go to oif.link slash give to learn more about how you can help us reach more marriages. So we want to shout out a huge thank you to those who left us reviews on iTunes recently. And I'm not sure here, Caleb, if anonymous is the same person. Yeah. 
Okay, so anonymous five stars. five stars from Canada says, I am thankful for the hope this podcast has given me for my marriage. For the longest time, hope had diminished. Not only was I starting to give up on my marriage, but also giving up on my life. And that's a scary place to be. This podcast reminded me that there is always hope. This, and to quote, she quotes the podcast here, episode 92, or he This gives so much hope. If you're an unhappy spouse who decides to stay committed, over time, you will most likely come to a happier place in your relationship. Yeah. So that's a great example of how our podcast is impacting lives. And we are super thankful to be part of this and would like you to join us too. And that link again is oif.link slash give. Next week for Linda, we're talking about how to enjoy sex when you've been taught it's wrong. Oh, that should be interesting. Yeah. So that's all for today's episode. You can read the full blog post or share it out from oyf.link slash 95. And you can also leave comments or feedback there as well. Let us know what you agree or disagree with. And finally, I'd like to make a serious appeal as well for more iTunes reviews. Again, this isn't for our ego. They are encouraging. And we love to share them on the podcast, but the main reason is they help lift the visibility of our podcast in iTunes, which helps us reach and influence more marriages. Thanks, and we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to the OnlyYouForever.com podcast. Please help us reach and influence a wider audience by rating and reviewing our podcast at OnlyYouForever.com slash love. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Do you ever fight about who does what in marriage or how decisions are made? Who is the most say or power or who can make the final call on some decisions? Most of the time, those disagreements come down to the model of marriage we hold to. And when that's different than the model our spouse is operating of. You screwed up right there. I know. It drives me crazy. (laughs) It's like the last four words. (laughs) I know. You were so close. I totally feel your pain. Okay. Why don't you stop that and start again? Why don't you just stop that and start again? Actually. Until. Like the time I actually looked good that day. (laughs) No. Do you ever fight? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. Okay. Do you ever fight about who does what in marriage or how decisions are made or who is the most say or power or who can make the final call on some decisions? Most of the (laughs) (laughs) time. Did you hear that? Yes. Is that your stomach? That was my stomach. That's terrible. Okay. (laughs) Let's do this a third time. My stomach's fault. Yes. Bad stomach. Okay. Don't look at me. Okay. Just look at the screen. Do you ever fight about who does what in marriage or how decisions are made? Who is the most? (laughs) Okay.